Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the final episode of the 2019 season. You guys, we did it. We are down to just the final four movies of 2019. One of these four movies will go on to claim the prize. But first, let me introduce myself. My name's Greg. I'm the host of this here shindig, and I'm escorting you through the movies of 2019 with my two bosom chums, uh, last week's winner, Mike and Ryan. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. Nobody won last week, and if anybody did, it was me. No, I, I did. I, I, he didn't say it out loud, but I did secretly win. I agree with that. I one. felt like there was an energy, right, Mike? Yeah. I mean, there's a real energy towards but, your points and everything. Like, I'm playing to win, and Ryan's playing to not lose, and that kind of energy is going to just hurt you in the end. Because you're going to be fearful and not make the bold moves. We always make fun of Mike not knowing about sports, but that was the sportiest sport thing that anyone could ever say. Like <laughs> That's such a cliche. I thought it was politics. So there, <laughs> that's where I am. <laughs> you are ready for the business world. So here are the four movies. One of these movies is the movie of the year. We just have to figure out which one it is. Parasite, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, as I say those four movies to you guys, does that seem like we did a good job of coming to the final four? Where's I, Joker? <laughs> <laughs> He's in the corner pouting. Um, yeah, are we at the point now where we could say that there are no more losers? We have four winners? Yeah. Okay. Let's just oh, yeah. end the show. Let's just say these four are the movie of the year. We're done. Let's go watch this one a, of them. This is a lean, trim, effective final four. I would be totally okay with not making any more decisions and spending the rest of this episode deciding which of these four movies are each of the Little Women. <laughs> and I think that's how people will know what we like more or less. Yeah, Little Women. <laughs> <laughs> little Women is clearly Joe. I think <laughs> Parasite is probably Beth. Marriage Story's got to be Meg, right? Yeah, oh, and for sure. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is Amy, the dramatic one. Yeah, Holy wow. shit. Segment over. <laughs> I have done it. When we come back, we are going to give an award to someone for... Something. And we're back. It is time to give out another one of our hallowed, and I believe hallowed awards, Ryan. Are these things hollow? Yeah, but if you switch the vowels in any word, it basically just means the same thing. <laughs> there is a part of my brain that does that with any time I encounter a word I don't know. I'm like, well, it kind of sounds like another word. Maybe they're just the same exact word. <laughs> Effect and affect. Fuck you. Yeah. I mean, Fuck come on. you guys. Why are we doing that? <laughs> Trying to have a podcast here. Let's not go down these dark alleys of grammar and usage. Gentlemen, Ryan, we, I'm going to throw to you. We have, uh, we actually have the big ones now. The first one is Best Supporting Actor, and I want to go over a couple who weren't nominated. Um, Brad Pitt was not nominated for Once Upon a Time because we, like normal people, moved him to Best Actor. He was uh-huh. co-lead of the movie. Yeah. And they fucking, they went and ganked that Best Supporting Actor away from more deserving people by putting him there. Uh, That's so crazy. Also not nominated is... Al Pacino from The Irishman, and I feel like that if you've been listening to this show over the past month or so, you can see how Greg totally tanked that away <laughs> out of his hands. And then the other big nom- the other big Oscar nominee who we did not nominate was Timothy Chalamet. Does that surprise you guys? No, because he was he's good, but I think the the cast we're about to hear are great. Yeah, well, wait till you fucking hear him. Uh, I think we made a mistake. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I wasn't blown away by Chalamet in this. I love, I love me some Chalamet. Call me by your name is like 
amazing. Uh, I look forward to him in Dune. As you guys know, I'm a big Dune guy. I don't know why, but his Laurie left me a little flat. He's no Christian Bale as Laurie. There's a, I mean, there's a million reasons why he took the typical girl role in Little Women, where like, uh, I am just going to be here to support your character development as opposed to do anything really crazy. You know, he had that one line of, and I will just stand and watch. But other than that, I think we're fine. <laughs> your first nominee is from Marriage Story. It's one of the lawyers. It's Alan Alda. And he did not get nominated for an Oscar. Uh, and I have to ask, guys, is this a Lifetime Achievement Award? Do we just fucking love Alan Alda? Yeah, is this like, I know I have a weird, unhealthy love form. Is this when we're finding out we all do? I, it no, might be. <laughs> Uh, honestly, to me, it, this is not a legacy thing. This, that has nothing to do with that. He delivers pound for pound, probably the second best performance in this in this movie. He's so funny, and comedy really matters. He does. He has. He has the steel line of the entire movie, which is, "You were the bad husband in marriage. You're going to be the good husband in divorce." That is like such an important line and so good and he delivers it so well everything about his character and his performance i'm probably like heavily the person who influenced this and it's not a stunt thing like i love it i also think that like i think that most movies would have just ray Liotta and laura dern Mm -hmm. and to have this third person who steps up and says like but you know you could be like this you guys are like that in your jobs but you could be like this like it brings so much more depth to like what it means to go through a divorce and be a lawyer Hell yeah. Your next nominee, not nominated for an Oscar, is Winston Duke from Us. Oh, shit, yeah. It's great. Well, like, so he didn't get nominated for an Oscar because the Oscars hate horror. And it came out in February, and Oscars hate that, too. They really like August through December and only drama. So They also, <laughs> they also don't like getting crazy. And Oh, if you want to get crazy, He'll you get nominate crazy. Winston Duke. Who, who do you think is better at... That, like, uh, I don't know, sort of temperament. Is it Bruce Wayne from Batman 89 getting nuts or Winston Duke from us getting crazy? <laughs> I think you just cast the next Batman after Pattinson. Oh, dude. That's actually would not be. He's got a nice body type. Oh, it, yeah. You know, this whole week has been pa- talk, thinking about how Pattinson's too scrawny. He's a perfect Batman size. And he, he plays. Could... Mike? He could do the thing where, like, Bruce Wayne's really dorky. He could never yeah. be Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a big nerd he is. He's really good in this, and I think he does the best job of, of playing the two different versions of the same person, This is however the, the Us world works. This is something that we're probably going to talk about later, Greg. You said this on our episode about Us, and then uh-huh. we have more awards to give, and you uh, you stuck hard to the, the fact that Winston Duke was the best, and uh-huh. nobody else was the best. Winston Duke was the best. I just felt like he did a good job being a, a dorky regular person and then a good job being menacing and scary as Mm. his bad guy without looking like he just loved every second of doing it and that is my that's my fault with some of the other people who played their doubles is that they looked like they were just having the most fun ever uh and that kind of waters down what you're doing a little bit your next nominee and i think that this is what happened with al pacino is stephen graham from the irishman it's uh yeah it's the, it's Al Capone right from Boardwalk Empire yeah it's the guy who has different feelings about what being on time means than uh, <laughs> Jimmy Hoffa uh, kind of guy who will wear shorts to a meeting I think mm. that the reason why Moody's are better than the Oscars is because there's like you can be in the movie as much as possible and still get supporting but there's a uh-huh. line where like y- if you're in it this small amount then you can't be Stephen Graham is not a typical best supporting actor but 
He did support the other actors, and he did amazing. Yeah, this guy is so good in everything he's in, and by everything he's in, I mean this and Boardwalk Empire. And he does just have the face and demeanor to be cursed to be a gangster. So I'm glad that yeah. he will keep <laughs> having things to make as long as Scorsese he, and other people are obsessed with gangsters. He comes from, I mean, he should have been in Goodfellas. He should have been alive at that time to be yeah. in Goodfellas. He's Idiot. like, he would have been so good to, to be in it. And he's like at the center in a weird way of this movie because he's really. His conflict with Hoffa is what can't be digested by these two different groups, and it's what causes everything to fall apart. And he is so believable as Tony Pro as at being that. He demands respect, but he doesn't give a ton of respect. It was, I can reveal this now, it was an improv of his to smack the ice cream off the table. And Al Pacino looks horrified and terrified by that. And it's because he's an old man who did not think anything was going to get smacked across the room. <laughs> Um, for people not in the live audience right now who are not seeing the clips that we're showing for each of these nominees, um, what we played was where I think it's in the middle of a montage where he gets arrested and he fakes the cops out who are swarming in on him that he's going to run away. And then he's like, uh-huh. oh, I'm just kidding. And then looks back <laughs> at his boys to see if they're laughing yeah. as well at his mock escape. <laughs> that is baller. That's a good yeah, it underscores what how their life is, which is that like it's way more important to have the esteem of your homies <laughs> than it is to not go to prison or get shot. Like, yeah. <laughs> your next nominee is Song Kang Ho from Parasite. This is uh, Mr. Kim. This is Hell this might yeah. be the closest to a lead role that we have. I just don't know if the screen time was there. Um, but this is the, the 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 dad of the poorer family who yeah. goes through a lot throughout this movie. I will say. And ultimately, he is supporting, right? Because we did, like by the end of the movie, it's clear it's Kevin's story, right? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, very strong supporting. Great face. Yeah. Yeah. This guy's got a good face. Such a good face. And we watch it do many different things in within one scene. He it will go from excitement to disappointment to horror mm-hmm. to profound sadness. The climax of this movie plays out primarily across his face and the way he is perceiving what's going on around him. And he does such a good job selling that. And I think the, the whole movie, it's so important that we start off with he's a goofy kind of dum-dum. Yeah. And he's just like, he's just like loving and proud, but he's just- Leave morphine. the windows open while they fumigate yeah. so we can get free fumigation. I mean, the first 30 minutes of this movie, he is the <laughs> Korean Al Bundy. Like that is yes. what we just think of him. <laughs> and then he becomes this like very- you know, this person who does have, uh, you know, like all these feelings and all these things that he thinks he should be, just not in the ways that we think. You know, he there's one point where he's about to beat the shit out of his wife for talking smack, and that's just a big joke to freak out his children. That's not his issue. It's with the upper class that's the issue. Your final nominee is also from The Irishman. It's Joe Pesci. Yeah, dude. This is the movie where Pesci gave us a performance the opposite of everything else we've ever seen him in. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in Casino, when he's like an older gentleman, he's still like that little fiery, <laughs> feisty guy. In this, he's so calm he was and a, so settled. He's essentially a dry bandit. Yes, he's the driest <laughs> of bandits. Do, do you think more actors should take like 10 years off? And so when they come back, they crush? Like maybe people are making too many movies and just relax a little and you'll come back and be hungry for it again. Look at all the shit De Niro's been in in the last 10 years, right? And uh, sometimes it's like it, it's like he does not know how to act anymore. He's really good in this movie, The Irishman. But there are some movies where it's like he just, like Joker, where mm-hmm. it's just like, what are you even doing, man? This is not a performance. What's going on? Maybe that would not, we wouldn't have like, 10 of those for De Niro if he would just take a little time to chill. Yeah. But then, I mean, there's like the meta text too of like, um, 
why did Pesci retire? Did if he if he acted for the last ten years, then he would not have been able to give this performance. You know, like yeah. maybe his the the chilling out of retirement is what how we got this performance. I don't know. I like I was so impressed by it. I think it's and remember he refused to take the role fifty <laughs> fifty times. times. Yeah, we know like, that, Greg, because of <laughs> trivia. Thank you. Because of trivia, sweet trivia. All right, so your nominees are Alan Alda, Winston Duke, Stephen Graham. Song Kang Ho and Joe Pesci. What do you guys think? What do you guys think is in this envelope? I think it's going to be Song Kang Ho. That's where I'm leaning. Yeah. I'm hoping for Joe Pesci. It's Song Kang Ho from Parasite. Hey-ho. Hey-ho. That makes a lot of sense, and it might be the beginning of a lot of awards and a lot of accolades. Just the beginning of the accolades going to the movie Parasite. You heard it here first. Parasite. Pretty good movie with good performances. When we come back, we're going to go right into another award. And we're back. Listen, sometimes you give out an award and right away the next thing you want to do is give out another award. And this is one of those instances. Would you agree, Ryan? I would agree, yes. Why? Why are oh, you Oh, no at- reason. Okay. No reason. I was just sometimes I'm just sitting here thinking, you know. Okay. And I was just kind of thinking about that but you saw my face you, you saw that i was specifically trying to not think and then you broke that up yeah, yeah you did rule coming out of every <laughs> orifice i got concerned and so i thought i'd give you something to think about a little bit see if i could kind of like jump start the works there well i think this is my opinion this isn't in the schedule but i think it's only fair you guys disagree that if we give a boy a supporting award we should give a girl a supporting award okay i could see that yeah, i don't like then your tone we- but i'm fine with it then should we give a non-binary person an award? Oh, let's get to that later. Um, let's choose from all of our movies and choose a non-binary person in a starring role. Mr. This, Mime? <laughs> now, keep in mind, guys, that th- this is uh, we only have nominees from like the 12, I think, movies that we covered throughout the course of the season. Um, still, one Oscar nominee in these five ladies. Uh, I, think, I, I think it speaks to that like people just don't nominate women for good movies. They nominate them for like bombastic uh, performances, but I think so much of Oscar nomination seems to be like people trying to figure out what they're supposed to do. Mm. Yeah, and that's why our awards are better for a lot of reasons. But one of them is like I don't, we're not so worried about what we're supposed to do. We just like point our, ourselves at what we like, you know. Yeah. Except for shitheads, we point ourselves at something we don't like. <laughs> we like to hate them. Yeah, <laughs> that's a like. That's, that's a good point. Um, the big surprise here was no Margot Robbie from Bombshell because we didn't watch that movie or. Once upon a time, no Margot Robbie, and that's weird with the Oscars. They like of themselves some Margot Robbie. I I love it a Margot Robbie, but she had <laughs> I love it a Margot Robbie. Nothing to do in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So. Yeah, I fought you then. I'll fight you now. I disagree. Uh, I was surprised, but now I'm not surprised because now I know you were the reason that she's not. Oh nominated. yeah, she low on that list. Your first nominee is your actual Oscar winner. It's Laura Dern from Marriage Story. Dern. Dern's great. I love I love the Dern. Uh, I do think she has entered Meryl Streep mode, where Meryl Streep was nominated uh, for Into the Woods, mm-hmm. even though she did nothing with that role. And Dern was good in this. She was really good. She was in Marriage Story. Yeah, but Dude. Oscar Oscar winning. Mm. Okay, yeah, okay, but yeah, Oscar winning. Maybe that's a little much. But this is one of the shining performances in this movie, right? There was that time she took off her shoes. People really yeah. fucking liked that part. And she's a shark. And, like, I do get, like, she she embodied the lawyer, like, who knows how to play very well. Ray, Ray Liotta was kind of bad at playing 
Adam Driver, but you're like, no, uh-huh. I can see why a lawyer could make somebody angrier. It felt and... like Ray Liotta was like, I didn't know we were all going to come in here and win awards. <laughs> Nobody told me that. I think it was a, I love Marriage Story and I love Laura Dern. I still think this was a little bit of a legacy award. Your next nominee is, uh, let me see if I can get this right, Flo Rains Pugich from Little Women. Have you guys heard of her or that movie? No. I'm unfamiliar <laughs> with all of it. If you're uh, not in a Marvel movie, I'm not going to pay attention to you. She played Mr. Mime. She was oh, the one who had the vagina. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and th- th- we can't like combine her roles, right? L- we have to only think about her as Amy in Littlest Women. Right, correct. But, I mean, she could win Best Actress for Midsummer, right? I could see it taking that. Yeah, and she embodies a 12-year-old perfectly and a very mature 19-year-old perfectly. The P.O. is great. This I would say her performance in the movie is is one thing that I was more impressed with the second time when I watched it mm-hmm. um, because I it I realized how many of the funny lines are hers and again what Mike just said like it's not just that like it's hard with Amy when you're adapting this because you either have to cast her as two different actresses or you have to have one actress trying to play a twelve year old. But, dude, except for when she's with other 12-year-old <laughs> actresses, Florence Pugh nails it. That scene in the schoolhouse where she's surrounded by legit children, and you can see that there's quite a big difference there, is the only time you're aware that she's not a little girl. My big fear is that over the last couple of uh, Movie of the Year episodes, there's been some revenge rating by Mike, who has tried to like bring us down to earth, Greg, and say that Florence Pugh is not that great. Is that true, Mike? Have you been trying to do that? I, I, I think she is great. I just think... There's she's getting credit where she could be literally everything ever, and I think we just need to pull back a little. Don't put so much pressure on her and so young in her career. I I think that there is nothing of which she is not capable, and I she's my everything. We did the five we did the five recently, and where we pick like who should be 2020's version of this iconic character, and we gave her all five positions. All five, so, yeah. Okay. I, I can sort of see it was, that. It was a bit much, <laughs> but I do think she's our generation's Han Solo. <laughs> I do think she's our generation's JD from Scrubs. Mike, you were just <laughs> you were just talking about Meryl Streep always gets nominated. Uh-huh. I we uh, Greg, you were talking about what goes up in your estimation after you watch Little Women again. I would say that in my estimation, Meryl Streep did go up for me in Little Women. I thought that at first it was like a kind of like whatever wishy washy performance, and the second time I watched it, watched it, I think that she fucking brought it. Like she mm-hmm. was really awesome and broken and bitchy and great. And how rad that we have her and Florence Pugh in scenes together. And, like, really good scenes. You know, the opening of the movie is the two of them yeah. together. And we don't even know. If you're watching it for the first time, you don't even know that uh, Aunt, what's her name? Aunt Meryl could have brought Joe. But instead right. she brought Amy. And she's like, this fucking bitch. Are you, like, is this seriously who Amy is? <laughs> yeah, because the first time you watch it, you're like, okay, a joke a joke character. Anybody could have done that. But, yeah, she she embodies a lot of humanity a lesser actor would not have. She manages to be so cantankerous and so endearing at the same Mm -hmm. time. It's such a weird mix because it's not, she doesn't do one to the exclusion of the other. They somehow buttress each other. So this one can never get nominated. I do think this is because screen time, unless you're Judi Dench. Um, It's Merritt Weber from Marriage Story. Yes. And she only was in a couple of scenes. But guys, did you file a police report after she stole the shit out of every scene that she was in? Holy crap. Uh, this is like this is why you talk about pound for pound performances. Mm-hmm. Because when we were talking about Alan Alda earlier, I said he gives the second best performance of the movie. She gives the best performance in this movie and elevates everything around her. She really does. Like 
And she's a great actress. She's amazing. This is, I think, the best I've ever seen her. In just like the couple minutes she's on the screen trying to like serve him and also hold that pie. And like you can, they have a conversation where she's not listening to anything he says. So she's not responding to it. It really, it's like, it, it's one of the funniest, most human moments in the movie. This was at a time too, when we were trying to watch the TV for the end of the year. And we watched that, uh, Netflix drama with her and Tony Collette. Remember? Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Where she's this like oh, yeah. hard as balls, kick the door open, cop badass. And then and she's then we watch her here and she's like uh just uh sweating and just like, a bumbling so doofus. Yeah. <laughs> and she's on um a show right now called Run. Right. I have not and, started Run yet. Yeah, and she plays like a a, a middle aged mother of two well not middle aged, but a mother of two. Uh, who's like, you know, running off and like having like a, a wild moment in her life. And there's so much complexity to that character. And she brings out like every facet of that. Guys, buy Merritt Weberstock. Like, I really yes. yeah, think she's about to explode. Your final Best Supporting Actress nominee is Sujen Zhao from The Farewell. This is Nai Nai. This is the grandmother. Oh, Nai Nai. This is a again, rough category, I, gentlemen. Yeah. I have to bring this up again. Is this at all ruined by the fact that, that Nai Nai is still alive in real life? Like, wouldn't it be just, I don't know, I feel like there would be a little extra. <laughs> if Nai Nai was no-no? <laughs> Nai Nai, I still contend that the, even though it's never revealed in the movie, that the character Nai Nai knows exactly what's going on. I don't know how you could be part of this culture and not mm-hmm. understand what it means when you're old, you go to the doctor, they say everything's fine, and your whole family comes to surround you. <laughs> yeah, Nina is no dum-dum. And, but the movie never reveals that peek behind the curtain, but I feel like it's in the actress's performance, and mm. it's really, really affecting. She also has that thing with that you have with, like, A, grandma, B, grandmas, they don't care. Like, B, your B, grandma is always drunk and not giving a shit about you, but your yeah. A, grandma can always sit in a chair and be like, you're pregnant, I already know it, you haven't even <laughs> told anybody. Uh, I think that you're funny, even though nobody knows it, like, they just know their family so well yeah. that, yeah, I could totally see a story where she's just sitting there knowing every, all of this and watching she's the really, antics. She's supposed to believe that the one grandkid is getting married to this woman that he never even looks at. You know, like, I mean, she knows what's up. Come on. But, yeah, a very touching, funny, human, amazing performance. Farewell, you guys. I wish it, I wish it could have done better in our bracket because I, I have a crush on this movie. So your nominees are Laura Dern from Marriage Story. Florence Pugh from Little Women, Meryl Streep from Little Women, Merritt Weber from Marriage Story, and Sujen Zhao from The Farewell. And the winner is... And the winner is... It's Florence Pugh from Little Women. Was there ever <laughs> a chance a of a nominee? I mean, killer cast. They're all, they're all great nominees, but come on. Yeah, and again, there are scenes where you watch her working and you see what the other actors and actresses are doing and it feels like different art forms it feels like she's so far and away better than a lot of the people she acts besides it honestly feels like the whole world was like we discovered florence Pugh in 2019 and then this specific podcast was like nowhere close to what we did (laughs) we We discovered her way harder (laughs) we watched every movie she was in in 2019 when we come back we are getting to the first battle of round two and we're back, and it's time to let the bodies hit the floor. This next matchup is Parasite versus Little Women, and you guys, I'm already upset with both of you. This sucks. This so is this, the hardest battle. This was your guys' nightmare, right? Yeah. That this would happen before the finals? I hoped they would never meet. 
I don't know how that would happen, but I hope that they would never have to go up against each other in a bracket. This was always this was always going to happen, and it was always going to end the exact way that it's ending now. But I will say that Parasite is probably the best movie of 2019. But Little Women, I think, is the warmest, nicest, best, best feeling yeah. of 2019. And I feel like I watch this movie and I think of where we are with Greta Gerwig and where we are with Florence Pugh and where we are with Cerise Ronan. And I'm so excited about the future because I feel like there's probably going to be like four or five more amazing movies that comes out of like this small group. I imagine Greta Gerwig putting together like her own little ecosphere. It's a good point. Uh, Saoirse Ronan said, I, I have to play Joe. And Greta Gerwig said, no. Uh, we already did that. We already made that movie. And I have to find somebody else. And then Saoirse Ronan was like, uh, what the fuck did you just say to me? And for- <laughs> forced her way into it. But it's what a Joe move. That, yeah, that you bring that up. That <laughs> as, we're, as Little Women beats the Irishman with Scorsese and De Niro, we're now getting our next Scorsese and De Niro mm-hmm. with Gerwig and Ronan. And it's just it, it's exciting. Um, this movie, from the first time I saw a preview for it, Little Women, I was like so excited. It's the '94 version is my wife's favorite movie. Uh, the book is her favorite book, and so I've come to love it. Like as she's like shown it to me, but this movie captured a a new element of life to it, and I feel like it did a good job of being like this is probably what people were like back then, and it's the same thing as people are like now. Why do we right. constantly? turn them into these weird two-dimensional old school people they probably were just like us and i i don't know it it it, it felt good the whole time you're watching the movie just feels good except for i guess when beth dies yeah to, to do that unless you hated beth like i did to do that <laughs> so effortlessly because i think a lot of movies could do that they were just like us always and you're like yeah we fucking get it like chill out a little on that and, and to do that and then write like the template for everybody except not step-by-step template of how to do an adaptation make it interesting to fucking yeah. watch and what is an adaptation i mean this movie asks a lot of interesting questions about adaptations that i hope are going to be picked up by future you know filmmakers but yeah it's uh why does this movie need to be remade right now mm-hmm. that's an easy one and why are you the one to do it that's yeah. the other part that people forget is like oh wait it could be anybody i'm just gonna grab it because it seems easy and the whole modern thing like it's not like there's the scene with the dancing and like there's a lot of modern stuff that we talked about on our show. But uh-huh. yeah, Greg, going back to what you were saying, it's these characters have insecurities, you know, yeah. as if like our generation invented insecurity and <laughs> in the 1800s. People were like, should I marry him or not? I don't know. I'll do it. Yeah. And that was it. That was like the and depth. Never of think character. about it again. Yeah. When Joe talks about like dis- like establishing her own career or like having like the the freedom that feminism grants you but then talking about the terrible cost of that is that is that in any way different than like the the choices that people have to make currently it it just it feels like she found the human essence and then she did this other thing which is really interesting which is i think she shot a lot of, and we talked about this on the show she shot a lot of the scenes from the book in the style of the book so you also got right. that too like she did the greatest hits and you get to see them rendered very much like they're rendered in the book and then she also would give you a colder blue filter and show you like what real life was probably like for people at this time. It's a really good movie. It's a really, really good movie. But ultimately, it, I just parasite. You never stop thinking about it, and when you, whenever you feel like you are comfortable with your thoughts about it, you realize 
you have diminished the movie in some respect and that it's actually more complicated than you're giving it credit for. So and it's it, sort of like in the exact opposite way of Midsommar, where mm-hmm. yeah, you know, totally. Like uh, we have all of these things, and but no, it sort of makes you not great because you're not really like you're not really committing or uh, mm-hmm. you know showing the chutzpah for anything. Parasite does more, has more topics, but like really puts its balls on the table for each of the topics. Yeah, for sure. There's something being said in this movie, but not in a way that is simple. Uh, Midsummer felt like nothing was being said in a way that was very complicated. And it's not just that something is being said. It's that, God damn, is this 2019 as fuck? Yeah. Like, what it's saying is is going to own, I think, the next decade or two before we eat all the rich, but is is so important to right now. But I do think it is time, gentlemen, to move one of these movies forward. And it's hard. If I had to guess, I would say I have no idea which one is going to move on. Mike, what do you think? Uh, what do I think is going to move on or what am I voting for? What are you voting for? Okay. <laughs> that is a very good trick, though, to try to keep it from happening. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a hard vote, but it has to be Parasite. Do you agree, Ryan? Absolutely. Yeah. Eventually, this movie was always going to run into Parasite, Little Women, and I, I think that it's it's really tough luck because this is probably the second best movie of the year, and then if you just take it out of 2019, it's probably better than most movies that have come out, like in the five years that preceded it. When we come back, we're giving out more of these dangle awards. And we are back, and it's time for another award. What's the award, Ryan? The next award is On Screen Duo, which that is an MTV award, movie award. That's not an Oscar. But I do think it's important. I think a lot of movies ride or die on two powerhouses acting with each other. Not nominated is Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci. And I feel like their not being nominated sort of gave away the entire show today. Yeah. Here's here's what it... I, Joe Pesci, I thought, did a great job. Robert De Niro's performance in this left me cold for the opposite reasons that I didn't like his Al Pacino... Or the Al Pacino um, performance. Which is like... He gives you nothing. You like... Robert De Niro is so reserved the entire movie and you never know like what he values what he's thinking what he's concerned about i mean you see it peeking around the sides of his calm demeanor but i felt like this character this performance is so similar to his jackie brown performance where Mm -hmm. you know this violence but it's behind a very still face i just you know i wasn't blown away by de niro and at least in jackie brown he had color in his eyes so that was nice (laughs) he wasn't the white walker eyes (laughs) <laughs> I, I was hoping this got nominated, but I will say that if it won, that's a fucking legacy award for sure. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. like the the kitchen scene when Pesci tells Robert he has to go kill Hoffa, that if there, there's a chemistry and electricity there, that through, throughout the whole road trip, they're just next to each other. They are mm-hmm. certainly an on screen duo because they're next to each other a lot, but there's not a lot of crackling. What about when they're fixing the truck and Pesci's like, what are you, 19? I'm 24. <laughs> yeah. We'll be up forever. <laughs> <laughs> we'll use computers to make this believable. Your first nominee is Billy and Nai Nai from The Farewell. This yeah. is Aquafina and yeah. her grandmother. This is what you want in a best friendship. Certainly the best duo in the movie. Watching Billy and Nai Nai talk is always entertaining, including on the, the first scene where they're talking on the phone mm-hmm. and they're both, you can just see them both lying to each other the entire time. <laughs> and that sets the tone. They both do such a good job in performing in that scene. And it also sets the tone for the entire movie, which is like, how do we lie to each other to protect one another? 
and how do we like bring ourselves closer with our lies and um, and really captures I, don't, I feel like you don't see enough in movies uh how everybody has one family member they actually get along with and the rest right. you have to just kind of put up with uh, and i never <laughs> knew my my i never knew like really either one of my grandmas but it she this feels like exactly what you you want your grandma to be she thinks your mom is your mom and dad are totally ridiculous and has like zero respect for them, but thinks you're awesome and you should get to do like basically whatever you want. That sucks, Greg, because those two grandmas were the only two family members that get you. So <laughs> you're just shit out of luck. Your next nominee is from Little Women. It's Joe and Lori, not the people who got married, the people who didn't get married. Bros. I mean, this movie makes a makes. There's a lot of movies about how female relationships are important. There's a lot of movie about, movies about how male relationships are important. There's not enough movies about how platonic mm-hmm. male-female relationships are still super important, and they don't have to like move beyond that uh, to be valuable. And that's what's so beautiful about this movie. You just watch Joe beat the shit out of Lori for two hours, and then at the end, they're like, "Yeah, let's not get married because I will just kick you nonstop." I've I've end every hangout with platonic friends saying, "Let's not get married." Let's not get married. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Sometimes we just never see each other again because I guess I made it weird. <laughs> well, yeah, because if this was a normal movie, they would have gotten married and hated right. each other and not been allowed to get a divorce and just had miserable lives. And in the book, they get married, and it seems like the only way they could possibly get married is to become like sort of like different versions of themselves. Mm. And so it feels unreal. And so that's why it just doesn't even happen in the movie. Well, that's crazy. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, speaking of divorce, and let's remember that this on-screen duo award is not best as besties, but just... The powerhouses in the same shot. Yeah. It's Charlie and Nicole from Marriage Story. Yeah, that 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 one apartment scene. I mean, it happened throughout the movie, but that apartment scene that everything hinges on. Like, people are going to talk about that forever, and a lot of people, out of context, say because it's dumb. It's not fucking dumb. They're both so good and capture what it's like to try to hurt the person you've loved for years. And that's the that's the most memeified one. But the one I always go back to is it's in the very beginning, and she's like. Go ahead. It was the last show, but tell me your notes. And then yeah. he has to. And then she walks away crying. Like, we didn't even know how powerful that was because we had a whole rest of movie to watch. <laughs> your next nominee is Rick and Cliff from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You you say that in a tone that indicates what you're bored? No, I'm not bored. It's just what a slammy D this is. Like, yeah, Rick okay. and Cliff sitting around watching TV. Like, this is sort of like... It, it has both things of like everything we want from a friendship and everything that we're afraid that our friendship only has. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. After watching Once Upon a Time, went through every one-on-one friendship, and I was like, "Am I just the servant, <laughs> like, or am I that asshole who doesn't appreciate the guy enough?" But like, I, I do think this movie would have been a failure if it wasn't for these two guys vibing yes. in the way they do. Even if it's not like perfectly healthy, that vibe is what carries the movie. And on-screen duo is about synergy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're getting two performances that are both so good, and then it, they become this third thing that is, like, almost a, it, its own entity. And yes. they do that in this. Like, I mean, they, they're they the archetype for a duo. Like, they're two actors who have a ton of experience at the absolute top of their games with a director that knows them and knows how to direct them. Like, it's yeah. magic. That, that's, that's an excellent way to say it, Greg, because you have – you see how Rick is without Cliff and Rick's kind of a mess, but when he's with Cliff, he's something more powerful. And Cliff is just like a creepy Terminator when Rick is yes. around. <laughs> like they really do uh, bring out the best or something different at least. And then in the scenes, they're not with each other. Your final nominee is a bit of a dark horse, I think because of screen time. Um, but if you think of the moments together and the, the moment I think of is a quick butt grab when nobody's watching 
it's uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kim from Parasite. We Earlier, we talked about the scene where Mr. Kim makes his kids think he's going to beat the shit out of their <laughs> mother. Uh, uh-huh. But anytime they're together, they really do have a spark that is not shared with any other two characters in the movie. Yeah, you can really see the warmth and, like, the laughter that an older married couple brings out in each other. You're like, no, I get why you're married. Like, I, I mean, you're not, like, jumping each other's bones all the time, but goddamn, you make each other laugh all yeah. of the time. And that scene where they get drunk and he acts like he's going to hit her or something, that is so, like, uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like they to them, the rest of the world is a joke because they exist in a tight two person community Mm -hmm. even their kids are on the outside of that and so even the kids will get made fun of because they don't understand all the in jokes of these two people who have like made a universe for each other and you that comes out in so many ways there's as a couple they don't get a ton of screen time in the movie like i I don't know i don't think they get as much time alone as some of the other duos on this list but they have such a lived in real relationship with each other yeah i mean i keep going back to this but like she she bitches at him, you know, she harps on him for like their family being poor. And in any other movie, it would be like, Fuck you, you shrill wife, I hate you. Women uh-huh. are awful. And in this movie, he's like, I get it. Yeah, like <laughs> I deserve all of this and I'm not happy with this too. All right. So your nominees are Billy and Nai Nai, Joe and Lori, Charlie and Nicole, Rick and Cliff, and Mr. and Mrs. Kim from Parasite. And your winner is It's Joe and Lori from Little Women. Oh, wow. Dark Horse. I am legit surprised by that. Really? It's a little surprising, but also they are like the 1800 Nichols and May. Like, they're a cut-up. I would watch a prequel that's just about them hanging out and doing little improv all of the time. It feels, every time they're together, it feels scripted in that way where it's totally not, but everyone else around them is like, God damn, their rapport. (laughs) It's like, they must have practiced this. And, you know, he goes on to marry Amy. And that could be such like a tragic thing, but instead it, it's, it's like so right because the nature of the bond between the two of them as it's displayed in the entire movie is one of just like friendship mm-hmm. and, you know, camaraderie. Um, and so it really works out the best. Well, good for them. Good for them. They won the award. Good for them. And little women when, just lost. Right. So it's nice yeah, that we can yeah. an award. Yeah. At least two of them will be happy. When we come back, we're going to give out one more award. And we're back, and it's time to go right back to Ryan with another award. Which award is this, Ryan? So this is a first-time award. We've never done this one before. But uh, the amount that we talked about memes throughout the entire season, uh, we had to pit them all together and see which one is best. Uh, I could not believe the amount of like potential nominees for this Mm -hmm. award. Every movie had about five. But here are the five that could win. Your first one is Joker and Little Joker on the stairs. Okay. This is my favorite part of this movie <laughs> is just this, just the, the dawn of Little Joker. Just like they, they smushed, they changed the aspect ratio. It's like when I'm trying to find a picture for our website and I totally <laughs> F up the aspect ratio. It looks like that. It's all crushed and weird and distorted. And for whatever reason, it makes the Joker into such a little cutie. And then it's always he's always used in really cute ways, like when mom says you can have extra pizza rolls. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's just his little arms fun. up. <laughs> yeah, just his little arms pumped up in the air. He's so excited about his pizza rolls. Do you guys think that John Leguizamo from Spawn is furious that now this character is popular? <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, if his movie came out when there was memes, for sure, people would have fucking bummed up Jester. Is that what his name was? 
I also like clown. I think it's just clown. literally called clown. Yeah. Anything that takes the piss and like the seriousness out of Joker is awesome. Like yes. anything yeah. that's like, hey guys, it's all a big joke, like everything is. It's not this important fucking diatribe that we all have to pay attention to. That's what I love. Your next nominee, because when you're coming up with a meme, guys, uh, it's just we need this response that will fit into anything, right? If we have yeah. a, if we have a chubby little clown, uh, <laughs> then we know that we call pe- him Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that pizza roll Mark. conversations are about to happen. Um, <laughs> on the internet, it's all about people telling you what to do. And there was a movie this year that gave us Saoirse Rona, Ronan saying, I can't, I can't, I yeah. tried and I failed. Did you guys see that meme going around the internet? Yeah, it would be like, you try to like set the password on your router. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, I tried and I failed. The what's made what's effective about this meme is that the lines play in your head when you see it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so then the joke works because you construct it all in your head, and you can actually hear her saying that about like whatever banal topic it is. She's talking about trying to like fuse <laughs> happiness of in career and domestic happiness, but, but a lot of times it's used for like trying to parallel park. Yeah, in my <laughs> meme, in my meme, it's like I promised myself I would not have one more Eskimo pie tonight, and then it's still Sir Sharona going I. I can't. I can't. I tried and I failed. <laughs> I just tried weep. to not eat another one. Weeping and eating Eskimo pies. <laughs> Is there any other way to eat an Eskimo pie? That's how they advertise it. They're like, <laughs> eat them and weep. <laughs> <laughs> Your next nominee is Charlie and Nicole Scream and Punch Walls. This is the second Moody nomination for Charlie punching a hole in a wall in the movie Marriage Story. It was impactful. Honestly, this one makes me a little angry because it reminds me that the first time I saw this scene, I saw it excised from the movie and just on someone's Twitter who was like, what the shit is this? And it bothers me so much that that, like, because when it's taken out of context it's easy to think of that scene as ridiculous. Right. And that's exactly what the memes did to this movie is they cut it up into pieces and we were exposed to all of it before we were like in the artistic environment created by Noah Baumbach. And it, things don't work when you pull them out of context a lot of times. And this is one of them for sure. And and I remember seeing it everywhere, but I can't think of like the other ones. It was clear like you're in this situation. Mom says more pizza rolls or you, <laughs> you, you fail at watching The Sopranos. Uh <laughs> And I know what to use here, but this one I don't know when people would use this. Do you know this one became the the new version of is it the is yeah. it the pawn store guys yeah, the, or the, the motorcycle guys throwing. guys? The OC, it's the OC choppers. Guys. Yeah, where they yeah. would have these very like nuanced, intricate conversations about very serious things, and where you would literally reading them, you could like learn about stuff. <laughs> yeah, I learned because yeah, they were usually well yeah. researched. That's what this became. Is that you know this point, this point, this point, punch gotcha. on the wall. Um. The next one, I think, only works if you have the context. I don't love it without that, but in the movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, having Rick Dalton yes. point at the TV and say, oh my god, that's me, do you see me? Or get ready for me about to be here. Uh, it's fucking hilarious, but if you haven't seen the movie, I, I'm not sure if I get the meme. Well, well it's because it's just the, the fact that he's doing like a full body point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he has so- the most gorilla of faces. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think also the idea of like we're both looking at the same small square. So why would you try to point something out on it to me? Because like, obviously I see that you're standing on the square now, but like when it's like, you know, when you figure out who the parasite is in parasite and then a picture of him pointing at the, like, it's just, it's the full body, almost little kid point, you know? That, that's the thing too, is that like, it's the most revealing moment of the on-screen duo because uh, Rick is in charge and Cliff is the employee, but, Rick's ego can't 
like he still needs Cliff to see, like, did you see me on TV? I'm going to go out of my way to make sure that you did. All right, your final nominee is Howard Ratner saying, I disagree, this is how I win. Now, these are two separate things, right? So is this a little bit of nonsense that... Oh, is it? Yeah, because yeah. one, the I disagree is, this got to be the stupidest fucking bet I ever heard of when he like bets like the six-way parlay to yeah. Mike Francesca, and he goes, I disagree. That, and then the this is how I win is when he's talking to Kevin Garnett. And Okay, let's like, pick one. Wh- wh- which one is more famous? This is how I win. I think is yeah. more famous. That's yeah, that's definitely the bigger meme. Um and and this meme is why in my vote 8 years ago why th- this one over knives out. Like just the memification and how it, this lived on the internet and this is how they won with that meme. Memes didn't ruin this movie in the same way that it ruined it, or it threatened to ruin marriage story for me, but I will say that I was so surprised by the way he delivers this is how I win because when you see that in a meme you you're like, you're like this is a very emphatic point he makes, mm-hmm. but it's just like it's kind of mumbled Adam Sandler yeah. style. It's an aside, like as he's leaving. Yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is how I win. All right, gonna make my own sauce, uh, <laughs> but still a good meme. All right, guys. So your nominees for best meme based on a movie that is in the bracket are Joker and Little Joker on the stairs. Woo. Joe saying, "I can't, I can't. I tried and I failed." Charlie and Nicole screaming punch balls. Rick Dalton sees himself on television. <laughs> And yeah. how, Howard Ratner says, this is how I win. And your winner is Charlie and Nicole scream and punch ball. Wow. Wow. Dark Dang. horse. I am surprised by that. Uh, certainly, like, in terms of iconic meme, maybe the most iconic of all of these, right? Like, this is, like, the most in-use meme yeah, of is, all the ones we talked about. Is it, like, is it the one that we see the most, or is it the one that's, like, uh, used the best by strangers on the internet? I think seen the most. Yeah, because I would say the Leo pointing to himself. Yeah, that's the used best. the best. Yeah, that's the best use one. Yeah, it's made me rethink how I point. Like I'll go to <laughs> point at somebody, two people, and I'll be like, "Oh, I don't want to be that meme." No, see, it's I've just done the opposite for me. If I'm going to point now, I want to mean it. I want to get like the whole side body into it, right? A twist at the at the hips. Really point. Really point. When we come back, we are going to do our next and only or and last battle of round two. Uh, the dog's eating something, and it's not good. I'll be right back. Round two, battle two. Gentlemen, it is Joker. No, I'm just kidding. It is mar- oh, Jesus. <laughs> Marriage Story versus Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, wow. This is, I think this is by final. This is This is where I don't know what to do. Uh, uh, yeah, it's Ryan v. Ryan. These are probably my two favorite movies of the year. Um. I uh, I I don't even know where to begin. I wish somebody else that was on this podcast would like had started speaking before you started speaking. Yeah, it just like didn't let me come in and just spin around like an idiot. I have to no, say this I think is this is an extremely important matchup because I think like the next what happens in the next round is a foregone conclusion, but this is really going to help us figure out how this all shook out in the end. I really do think it's important to know which of these two is the is like the second best movie of the year. And what makes it interesting is that they want one is about Hollywood these days. And even though it's not really about Hollywood, it, it, all, most of it takes place there. And one is about Hollywood in the seventies, even though it's not really about what Hollywood was like then at all. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. It's, but it's like verisimilitude versus all the popcorn a movie could be. Nothing is real. And that's okay. Versus a pretty like grounded Bombach makes real ass movies for real ass people. 
if you're white and super rich. <laughs> but what? Okay, there's a couple ways we look at this, right? Because this is a good time to talk about our criteria. If you could watch either movie right now, what movie are you more excited? I say I'm popping it in. I'm popping in the Netflix disc. Which one are you more excited to see? Did you get that one generic Netflix yeah. disc that gives you access to every <laughs> single movie? <Yeah. laughs> it's powerful. I don't know, man. This th- that question's always hard for me because I like because the amount of times that I've seen Billy Madison in the Last Boy Scout, like uh-huh. it just it just doesn't mean for me what like the mm-hmm. answer that you're trying I, to get. Well, see, you know? but but to me, the the way we decide on what the movie of the year is is so multifaceted. But that is one of the facets to me. One of the facets is how iconic is it? How enjoyable a watch is it? How much does it make you think? How good are the performances? How well directed is it? These are all, and some are more important than others. But I was just starting with that. Because for me, if you say we're going to watch a movie right now, I'm way more excited to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Way more excited. But I I would argue the reason you're more excited is because Tarantino tried to make more of a popcorny film and it is painful to watch these two people hurt each other Yeah, because they do such a good job at making it feel lived in and real. Like I think, I think uh, Johansson and driver are firing on more cylinders in DiCaprio and Pitt and make you go through a thing as an audience that I, I didn't go on an emotional journey through once upon a time. I loved that movie, but I wasn't just like, Oh fuck. Um, that's crazy to think about. See, I think that I think personally, once upon a time in Hollywood, I did go on an emotional journey because it made me confront, you know, things that I think about violence or misogyny. And I really had to like, and where those things are in the culture and where I am in relation to them. So I I think that, yeah, that there is a popcorn element to it, but like all Tarantino movies, it's entertainment mixed with thought provoking content. Mm -hmm. The thing that I'm going through right now is that, uh, Bombach has great movies and average movies, and Tarantino has great movies and average movies. And these are, I mean, like, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, but are these the two directors that I have talked about the most in our entire relationship? Yes, and if I bring that up, you get real mad. I mean, Soderbergh, Soderbergh <laughs> might be up there, but, like, these are the two. And what we have here, though, is a great Bombach versus a great Tarantino. And I'm not sure, just, like, sight unseen, if a great Bombach can beat a great Tarantino. You know, like because of what the goals are, because of what they go out to accomplish and because of who I am and what I'm into, which is such a like that's such a hack thing to say. But if if we're if it's great versus great, I just think that Tarantino is going to be deeper cinematically. Like there's more to talk about. There's more to dig into. And the the V word that Mike said. Virgin. No. Is she a version? The. Uh, the I think that the verisimilitude just carries this movie in a way that like Bombach never even cares about. So it almost feels unfair that like it would be a strike against him, but it it can't not be a plus for Tarantino, you know? But he he doesn't care about like camera work or what are you talking about? I think the ver- verisimilitude is him working his ass off. No, he doesn't care about he, in marriage story specifically. He does he's yeah. not transporting you to a new time and place. Right. And he's pointing he's but, pointing yeah. the camera at events in his own life, right? Like, he's like, what's been up with me lately? I'm going to turn that into <laughs> a movie. Dear audience. Which is not, that I don't mean solely as a strike against him, but that's a that's part of what makes it seem like there's less effort there. Yeah, Tarantino has a, a bigger tool chest that he tends to go through. And for these two movies, that there's definitely more tools he pulls out because he's playing with 
expectations of what we know about history, expectations of what we know about Tarantino's movies, uh, all of that stuff. And I think that, to me, there is a certain excitement that comes from the fact that this feels like it's not the last movie that Tarantino's ever going to make in the same way that, like, The Tempest is not the last play by Shakespeare. But it kind of, The Tempest kind of, like, is understood to almost be the last play Shakespeare wrote. And in a way, this kind of feels like this was him doing it. This is Tarantino. Like, I put it all in there, guys. It's all in that movie. And I don't, like, I don't have a ton left, but I am going to make one more or whatever. But And there, there's a lot of people who are not huge Tarantino fans who use this movie as the example of, like, see? I told you it's crap. Really? Like, there's so much here. Like, there's, it's so thick with Quentin that, like, this is what I've been talking about the entire time. Because it's so him that if you're not a fan... This is even. This is going to be even grosser too. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, I could see that because I guess part of the why I said it was it's like an exclamation point on his entire career, right? He's using the tools he's honed. He's delivering versions of the same messages. He's falling into probably the same traps that he's fallen into before. Some of them, it seems like, it seems like his his view of like the woman problem was to make a movie that excluded them entirely, which is. Mm-hmm. Certainly something this movie has against it that Marriage Story doesn't have is it's problematic. Marriage Story, I feel like, is a lot cleaner than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in that regard. I mean, like, from a woke level or from a level of, like, every single thing I tried, every swing I took, I hit out of the park with Marriage Story. That's not the case with Hollywood. Like, we've talked about how, like, there's a lot of swing and misses, but the home runs go far. With Marriage Story, like it feels like this exact vision of what he set out to do. And then we have it. The, ultimately, the thing that I get back to, I know we're supposed to think a lot about what is 2019, mm-hmm. but the thing that I go back to, and this is not going to solve my problem, it makes it harder, is it, I, I think, yeah, this is what movies do. This is why I love movies. And both of them do that in such different ways. Fuck, like... Could it be one of them versus Midsommar? Because then I know what I, then I know what I'm going to vote. Well, once upon a time, in, once upon a time in Hollywood already did face Midsommar, and it won. So good for that. It okay. So we always talk about the 2019ness. Is it a hit at all against Once Upon a Time, time in Hollywood that it is literally about a different time? No, I think it's like uh, under the radar boon that. This movie and a lot of Tarantino's like violence and how we deal with violence is still very big in 2019 and we need to wrestle with that. And like how we look up to and think about and treat celebrity is still a very big deal. Like he just happened to use a fucking insane time. Like every time I learn or read or about the Manson era of Hollywood, it's fucking yeah. crazy that all this stuff just happened and people are just like, yeah, that, that stuff just happened. Like it feels like a fantasy. By the time you, uh, you weave all this into the podcast, you must remember this about about this time. Yes. By the time she gets to the part where people actually start killing people, there's already been so much crazy shit that's happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean like there's a beach boy yeah, who's dude. walking down the street and he's like, hey, what are you, an alien? And like, uh, what the <laughs> hell is going on right now? But I am afraid, gentlemen that it is time to decide which of these two movies is going to move on. I feel pretty confident in my choice if I need to be called in as a tiebreaker. Ryan, I'm trying to make this sentence extra long so that you get a couple extra seconds to think about it. I really appreciate it. (laughs) And Mike, I'll go to you first. First of all, how hard a decision is this for you? And do you know what it is? It was hard, and when when I sit all week and line up every movie against every other movie, that's how I prepare for the uh-huh. finals, uh, it was much harder then. And then I was surprised the minute you said which one, the pop-in question, which movie I'm popping in, I was very surprised at my answer. Uh, 
And yeah, it, it's difficult. They're both very, very good movies, but it's Marriage Story. All right. Marriage Story getting the first vote. Now, Ryan, we did our best. We killed a little bit. It's of Marriage Story. story. It's Marriage oh! Story. I'm going with Marriage Story. Oh, you know, one thing you said, Ryan, that I found very convincing was that a lot is tried and does not work in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And we are always mm-hmm. talking about how you have to judge a movie based on what it attempts to achieve and whether or not it does do that. And so to have one movie that feels like the perfect execution of all of its attempts and one that, like, honestly has a batting average of, like, 700, which in the majors, you'd be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> but it's not great if you're making movies. But, like, let me bring you back to, I think our last season was 97, and L.A. Confidential shockingly beat Jackie Brown. And I would say that L.A. Confidential is great because it's perfect, and Jackie Brown is great because it's not. Yeah. You know? So, like, I do think it's possible for us to just appreciate all of your your perfections and your flaws and that that's what creates the thing that is you i'm talking about movies greg absolutely <laughs> not talking about you uh and then la confidential won and then i think it happened again here that you know the la confidential of this matchup did win wow i am you bring it up i am still surprised by the fact that la confidential beat yeah that's been i remember that like that's the movie of the year from that year but i had like when you just said that sentence that it beat jackie brown that whole season felt like it was a foregone conclusion that and that Jackie Brown was always going to win. And it's interesting because this whole season has felt like a foregone conclusion oh, my stomach that just Parasite <laughs> was going to win. And let's see if that is the case. But got to wait a little bit because, once again, for the last time this season, it's award season. And we're back, and it's time to give out a couple of awards, Ryan. The last awards of the season. Would you say these are the smallest or biggest? How did we organize this? Middle. Middle. The middle. The middlest awards. Yeah. These are the middle women. <laughs> um, no, we saved... I mean, we're going to say best movie of the year for last. But uh, before that, let's do actor and actress. Uh, I do have to point out, before I give you the nominees, that Oscar winner for Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, was not nominated <laughs> for best actor for the Moody's. I'm shocked. I mean, we don't like Joker, but we all agree that his performance was good, right? I think that no, I think that by the end of the episode that we did, I was like, was it good? Yeah. And this this is it my favorite working actor. It's cuz he had all the choices and all the it wasn't he didn't have one honed performance. He'd made every choice that possible. That was really That's why I say no. You you really can't do that. You can't say I'm going to study nah. like all mental illnesses and I'm going to play someone who has all of them. That's not yeah. you can't do that. I mean, that's not, It's not like it's in all scenes yeah. that he has <laughs> yeah. all of them. Every scene he decided a different one, which is why it feels slapdash. Every actor that has the power to like sort of go in and improv and do crazy things, they think of a thousand ideas and then that are awesome and they say but the way that I'm playing this particular character wouldn't do that. Yeah. And then they have to cut those great ideas. And I didn't see that in this movie. Yeah. I mean, hell, that's the way people play D&D. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. That's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> we are better than Joaquin Phoenix when we play D&D. You heard it here first. All right. So Greg already ruined this first nominee. It's Robert De Niro from The Irishman. I don't think he's going to win. I, I hope I'm not off base here. I just, I understand he was going for a very reserved performance, but... It was so reserved that a lot of times he just kind of sits there passively while stuff's going on around him. But it's it, it and maybe it's just because we know him and his career. It didn't feel even if he was being passive that there's nothing going on inside. It felt like there was a fucking ocean. So there was it was scary. I 
I understand what you're saying when you compared it to his role in Jackie Brown, but his character in Jackie Brown felt like a dirtbag the uh-huh. whole time, and not just because he had bad facial hair and a haircut. Like, there is an honor in this reserved character that did not exist in that character. And an honor that he thinks that he should have, even though everyone else, including his daughter, does not. And he still right. had to fight to protect it. Yeah, I, 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 I mean... It was reserved. There was no screaming moment. In every Scorsese moment he or movie, he gets a ton of screaming moments. Uh, but yeah, I thought that he was the he was one of the biggest reasons that uh, it moved up so far in my estimation when I watched it the second time. The next nominee, Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now he's the guy that did that point. He did. Yes. Wow. Great point. I'm pointing at you right now, Greg, because you remembered that. Great point, Greg. So, so much of why this performance, I think, is great is because the many versions of Rick we see, but the scene when he's actually trying to film and we're like, is Rick a good actor? Is Rick not a good actor? And the interactions with that little girl, all of that to me is the the shining moments for Leo in the movie. I would I would say that unless I'm forgetting something, this is his best performance of all time. Uh, I would say that he was totally forgotten about because they already gave it to him for The Revenant, uh-huh. uh, a movie that is so much worse, and he's so much worse in. Uh, it's just a bu- hey guys, pinpoint when you're going to get your legacy awards, and make sure that you get them for the right <laughs> movies. Your next nominee, uh, already a moody winner tonight, is Adam Driver from Marriage Story. Yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with with his performance, um, and we've seen him now be so many different types of characters. What I was prepared for when I saw the the like little snippets that you saw online was for him to just be a raging jerk the entire time, mm-hmm. and the flexing in and out of sometimes being an ass, sometimes, but generally like really trying to be, as Alan Alda says, like the good husband in divorce, was like a very compelling space, and especially to, to have this like creative force, arrogant asshole try to be good. Yeah, trying to be good doesn't always work when you're inherently not. And I think that's an interesting to watch because he truly doesn't care about other people. He knows he should and goes for it. But when it's just not in you, <laughs> and I thought he balanced all of that so well. Yeah, it's just it, it's a person who has written on his hand, care about yeah. other people, and he just has to mm-hmm. check his hand all the time. This movie, which has been officially declared better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, completely rides on the balance between how Charlie and Nicole are equally good and bad. And yeah. a lot of that goes to Bombach, but a lot of that goes to Driver and Johansson, and he definitely mm-hmm. holds his weight there. Your next one, guys, do you think this is controversial, that Brad Pitt is nominated for Best Actor instead of Supporting for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? They're co-leads. Yeah, I, I mean, like, this movie doesn't have a lead actress. It has Brad Pitt. The whole point of this... The whole point of this movie seems to be that they're kind of occupying one space as the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know, one of them can play the part and the other one can be the real thing. And that together they are kind of one entity. And so they're they're co-leads. It's, does Tenacious D have one lead singer? No. Yes. Co-lead vocals. Jack Black, Kyle Gaskin, get the Kyle fuck Gass. out of here. <laughs> I'm a gas man. <laughs> I know you are, buddy. Your final nominee was not nominated for an Oscar. It's Adam Sandler from Uncut Gems. That's crazy. Is that the the whatever the opposite of legacy is? They're thinking about all the dumb movies he's made. So they're like, no, we're not even going to fucking look at you this year because he he's great. He is fucking great. And I think he brings something to it that only Adam Sandler could. Mm-hmm. And he gives you peak Sandler. I mean, all that 
everything that we love about Adam Sandler that is that or that we did when we were young men when we were in high school is actually in the character of Howard like the yeah. rage and the screaming and the being quiet and awkward mm. the rest of the time and the weird uh moving from ecstatic to angry and back and and like under all of it kind of like a yawning chasm of like depression you know just an abyss mm -hmm. <laughs> an empty space all that stuff is like he brought all of that real stuff to this role and delivered it in a way that honestly only he could and that's commendable we talked about in the show how like there was the eyes wide shut casting where kubrick cast Cruz as a joke like it was sort of a meta casting uh -huh. where like i'm gonna make fun of you without you knowing it i don't think the safety brothers were that kubrickian but there was obviously something that from their youth that clicked in them that made them think yeah. Adam Sandler could do this, mm -hmm. you know? And it wasn't just yeah. because he's a, he's an actor who can be any character. It's because they grew up with him as this character. It, it's somewhat watching it in the back of your head. It's like, Oh, this chaos isn't always funny. Sometimes it's really scary to be around, man. Yeah. And I can see, I can see you watching early Adam Sandler thinking like not liking them because it's not because you didn't like the jokes, but because this is like, this is really hard to watch a person go through this, and <laughs> I'm just supposed to watch this as a clown. This is horrifying. Thinking of who Howard is really makes me want to see like other episodes of his life. How did he become this way? Mm -hmm. Like so mm -hmm. much of the movie, like you just don't you you are not given the information to understand exactly what's going on or why it's going on really. And that's like, imagine Howard courting his wife. What was that like? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm very interested. And she's just like, yeah, fine, whatever. I guess. Guy, oh man. Even though your face, I laugh at your face. Your face is embarrassing. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, your nominees are Robert De Niro, Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Driver, Brad Pitt, and Adam Sandler. A lot of star power here, gentlemen. And Adam. And your Sandler. winner is Adam Driver from Marriage Story. You know, he's one of our better actors, right? And. Yeah, I, I think so many people are like, oh, he plays the same role all the time, and that's, that's fucking crazy. dumb. He has that weird voice. That's just his voice. Yeah. You can't change the way he talks like he's drunk in milk, but he is a different person every time you see it's him. It's crazy to me that anybody would say he's he's the same. I think he's got a very distinctive look and body type and everything, but it, the, mm. the, like, the difference between Patterson and Kylo Ren yes. or Marriage Story and the character from Girls, like... He's doing something like wildly different with every single character. And that's because he's an ex-Marine actor. He's already been the like extremes of everything that you could be. <laughs> I will say, though, based on your examples, I do think he is playing a variation on. I am going to just let I'm going to let like what my uh, inner masculine DNA says for me to do, just take over or I'm going to fight against it and fail. Mm -hmm. Those are basically the two characters. But yeah, no, I think he has a ton of range for sure. Now, we're going to move on to Best Actress. And how funny would it be if it was ScarJo and then they didn't win Best On-Screen Duo? What kind of world what would the that hell? be? What kind of world would that be? <laughs> so, Ryan, who are the nominees for Best Actress? Well, Greg, I would like to like come at you for saying, like, how do you even know Scarlett Johansson got nominated? Oh, yeah. But we, like, there was really... There's only so few lead female roles in the movies that we choose. Also, so. I remember from the show... That we did about the about Marriage Story, you guys were impressed. Everybody, and I'm not going to say movies that we choose. I'm going to blame the movies Hollywood makes. <laughs> oh, it's always their fault. Everybody, every lead actress got nominated except for France, Francesca Hayward from Cats. Is that okay with she, you guys? I guess she was the lead by screen time. Is that a time. snub? Did yeah. We snub? Poor Victoria here. Mm, no. Your first nominee is Aquafina from The Farewell. This is such an impressive. 
performance. If you said just a couple of years ago, lead lead actress Aquafina, I would say, what? I don't even know who that is. I don't know what you're talking about. And then all the way from crazy rich Asians and to the star of a drama and just absolutely nailed it. I think she's a better dramatic actress than she is a comedic one. Yeah, because she, she goes pretty big or we know her niche comedically. And so this... One, it was surprising, and two, yeah, I think this could be career-changing for her. When she's in dramas, she's not always on the verge of rapping, and I appreciate that from (laughs) anyone. (laughs) Your next nominee is the aforementioned Scarlett Johansson from the film Marriage Story. Yet to... It's a true two-hander, and often that's funny, and to do it so not funnily, and both of them are pits where charisma should be, and you can see why people are tricked and think their characters are charismatic. ScarJo does that so well. Of they're like this pit of need that you also totally see her side on because this guy she's been married to sucks. Could ScarJo be a pop filter Hall of Famer? I don't know, man. I I spent so long like thinking that she was overrated uh-huh. that like it's still my go-to, even though I think that I've thought she was wonderful for so so long at this point yeah mm-hmm. it's it's definitely outweighed for the, the amount of time that i thought she was overrated and like uh wonderful in a lot of different ways right like she's like killed it in a lot of different types of roles uh not in our awards but the oscars this year she was also nominated for jojo rabbit which she was arguably better than in this movie yeah. um she got a, both scarlet and nicole got a lot of shit for being the villain and the lesser actor than adam driver and charlie um, I think that's bullshit if you watch it again. I think that's fucking bullshit. I think that her monologue, which is sort of like, hey, look at me, there's a spotlight on yeah. me, but her, her first monologue with Laura Dern is one of the most impressive parts of the movie. You never see, except for that monologue, you never see an actor, actress, like, walk into another room and the camera doesn't uh-huh. follow them. <laughs> that's yeah. such a weird experience. Your next nominee is Lupita Nyong'o from Us. Okay, now I think I may have ruined this a little bit <laughs> because I just, and I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I've like badmouthed a lot of people's performances over the past couple episodes, but I just feel like her version of Red is just, or her Red is just too extreme for me. I I never loved the voice. Um, and I, there's just like, so much of I'm having a lot of fun doing all this and like can you believe how different I'm being I really liked her though as um just the mom like I thought that that part of the performance was a lot better the scary part too with a movie like this is uh it's like Eddie Murphy thing where it's like Lupita Nyong'o and Lupita Lupita Nyong'o in us (laughs) and I don't see that I think that the red thing, I think that like she did come up with this iconic voice, but I don't think it outshadow overshadows like the character that Red also is. Mm-hmm. Like you see Red's yeah. villainy and hurt and hatred and othering all at the same time. Yeah, and I, I think it's when people talk about it, they're like both. But like Greg, you brought up her as Adelaide. She does so much. Like there, there's a lot of subtlety to that version of the character, especially when you realize if that stuff like that she does happens because. She's really a yeah. clown or whatever. And, and all of it, like, it is so well done. So even if, if you felt a little cold on Red, everything she's doing on the other one, the 
work of a normal actress who wouldn't uh is fucking huge and then she also does this other like maniacal tyrant who you do kind of feel bad for at times your next nominee is from midsomar it's florence Pugh. now is this just part of the punissance and how we love her or was danny actually a really well-crafted character okay well i don't know if danny is actually a well-crafted character but the reason that she gets so many like awards in my mind is the times where you watch her feel one emotion and it's written all over her face and then she's saying something different so like she's talking to her boyfriend christian early in the movie Mm. and she's like crying and having like a breakdown but then making her voice sound like she's just fine and just whatever i'm i'm like i'm the cool girlfriend so don't worry and the worst thing you can do when you're upset is let your boyfriend know that you're upset because then he's gonna get upset so i'll just i'll yeah i'll keep it under wraps and whether sorry my family died (laughs) and then the other like the most affecting the most horrible part of for me of that entire movie even though so much of it's horrible is her wailing after her family all dies because I think Hollywood gives us a very whitewashed version of what grief is and how people express grief. And I think what people really do is they scream at the top of their lungs and it's very hard to hear and it's very hard to be with them. So she does that and she does the subtle thing. And at no point anywhere on that spectrum of performance do you ever see where Florence Pugh begins and the character ends. Like, you never see the work. And it is so hard to act. Like, Scarlett Johansson is probably one of the best actresses to ever live. I always feel like I can just barely see the edges. I can just see the work. I can see it. Like, she's doing such a good job, but I can see that she's doing it. That does not happen with Florence Pugh, and it doesn't happen specifically in this movie. And so I do think that it's not just, like, a stunt or just, like, we love her, so we we added her. I think her performance in this is iconic. Well, shit, Mike. I feel like that Greg has now passed me up on the Pew ladder. Uh, <laughs> what do you have to say? He's to- a real Pugilist. <laughs> what do you have to say that, to that... Uh, as the pew hater of the show i don't hate her i just have i'm i'm less fully in love with her uh i agree with everything greg said about this movie this, she's the one one i think the one character the movie cared to flesh out and the one actor who brought more than was asked for her uh which is there, there's a lot of reasons to not suck midsummer's dick but that that was huge is it like it was one person's story while trying to act like it was more than one person's story i asked my wife last night if me, Mike, and Greg changed the laws, and it was possible for all three of us to get married to Florence Pugh. Would you and then your guys' wives be okay getting married to Zach Braff just to make it even? <laughs> and she said no. She just straight up said no. Did We didn't even have a conversation about it. Yeah, I think she employs well, that strategy a lot with you, Ryan. Just like a very <laughs> clipped answer. Just like, nope, moving on. I'm going to bail from this. Uh, Your final nominee, and Mike, if you're not a pew head like me and Greg, I feel like that you have been the biggest proponent of Saoirse Ronan's performance in Little Women. I'm I'm a big believer in the Ronan-sance. That almost is more of a word. So what do you think about this? Yeah, uh, for... I I see similarities between Lady Bird and Joe, but to say they are just the same character I think is bunk. And Ronan is one of those people who can do anything. She can do comedy. She can do gut-wrenching drama she can be a weird little creepy kid assassin like and imbues so much real humanity and again we talked about little women in general it's like oh people felt back then but what she did then is like how she modernizes and walks that line where she joe still feels very 1800s 
and we can still very much relate to her. Like she anchors that whole movie and hits every range. I'm a little nervous, and she's not even thirty, right? And she's been yeah. nominated for like eight Oscars. I'm a little nervous that sort of like the Meryl Streep thing, like she's just gonna pump out these performances, and we're like, oh, another great Sersha performance, and she may end up with like zero Oscars. Because she's just because we ju- we just get used to it. Yeah, you do. You get used to excellence, man, and it just doesn't impress you anymore. So your nominees for best actress are Aquafina, Scarlett Johansson, Lupita Nyong'o, Florence Pugh, and Saoirse Ronan. Good for Aquafina. I mean, she's, yeah, that's a good list to be on. <laughs> and your winner is Florence Pugh from Midsommar. You don't say. You don't I say. I do say. The Pugh boys getting it done. Well, guys. Wait, did she win supporting and actress? She did. She, she did. won two movies tonight. <laughs> she won supporting and actress. And uh, I don't know if you've seen Fighting with My Family, but she's so fucking good in that, you guys. Do you want to do a special Patreon episode and then redo the yeah. awards? <laughs> when we come back, we are going to decide on 2019's movie of the year. It is time. All of 2019, and to a lesser extent, all of the 2019 season of Movie of the Year has led up to this one moment. The movies that have vanquished all of their competitors thus far are Parasite and Marriage Story. One of these two is 2019's Movie of the Year, but man, isn't it hard to figure out which one it's going to be, you guys? Okay, wait, so are you, this is how you try to add drama to this? (laughs) You know, here's what I seriously do want to talk about as as we narrow in on this movie. Was this worth doing because there was no drama? Because there was never any doubt in my mind one time that the 2019 movie there was going to be Parasite, even when we pitched the season. But aren't you still so glad we did 2019? Yeah, like there's so many movies I hadn't watched before, and watching them in the context of this show is always different than not just watching it like some idiot asshole who's just enjoying a movie. Uh, and really going even, in really. and acting like, no, this is going to take down Parasite, and coming up with all the reasons why every movie should. The only one I couldn't was Joker. But with all the other movies, I was like, no, act like, of course, this is going to take down Parasite and start building those arguments now. Even though every single week I would say this movie is not going to beat Parasite. Parasite is obviously 2019's movie of the year. And you guys both said maybe we should have some drama on the show. And I would say drama like 2019 Parasite movie of the year. <laughs> yeah, you're a master of tension and that cannot be taken away from you. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I do like sort of uh, pitting these movies, like uh, trying to figure out what you have to say right now. So I do think that's interesting. It's possible that something at some point could be as heavy of a hitter as Parasite and Go Down. Um, I think that has happened before with this show. I think in 99 that we all thought it was going to be being John Malkovich yeah. based on mm-hmm. how the three of us felt about that movie, and it just didn't win. Yeah. Um, it's. I, I think that uh, I would say Marriage Story, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time for the three of us, maybe not Irishmen, but those three, we all, like, they're so close to us that, like, we could see it taking Parasite down. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so I still think it's definitely worth it. I think that like there's been the Golden State Warriors or the Bulls of the 90s where it was still a fun NBA season, right? Even though we all knew what the fuck was going to happen. Maybe Lakers, uh, 2000, 2001, 2002 era. Or Lakers. Is that, like, is that uh, a soccer team? 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010 era. 
Like the that. Minneapolis Lakers? <laughs> yeah, the Great Lakers. <laughs> okay, so sell me on Marriage Story winning this thing. I like. Well, I, I think it's very interesting to watch a movie and the whole time pondering, like, which one is the parasite? And Marriage Story really begs that question. <laughs> That's the Marriage Story, right? Yeah. It's, like, it's right there. <laughs> now, uh, Although parasite... they, they both had the same problem. Parasite had no parasite. Marriage Story was a divorce story. What do we do Who's here? Who's the idiot who really believed that? That, that was their real issue with Marriage Story? More like Divorce Story? And like, Donald what? J. Trump. That, that kind of sounds like something Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yes, it feels like a Neil deGrasse right. Tyson. Science is Donald J. Trump. It should have more accurately been called the divorce story. That guy sucks. It, um, we can conclusively say that of all the movies that came out in America, Marriage Story is America's movie of the year. Thankfully, but that's discounting all of the movies that came out of South Korea. All of them. I also want to point out, too, that like uh, they... They both sort of seem straightforward until, like, you watch them again, and the director's imprint is just all over both of these. Everything the directors believe and think about how humans work and movies work is just all over both of these movies. Um, And the timeliness is supposed to be important because it's movie of the year 2019, but these are fucking timeless movies that we will return to and will always be impactful for the rest of our lives. But when the three of us die, no more impact. Nobody talks about them. In Parasite, a lot of times you're like, it's hard to figure out whose fault this is, right? Who's to blame here? Is it the poor people? Is it the rich people? In Marriage Story, it's pretty clear it's their kid's fault, right? Yes, yeah, that absolutely. kid sucks. That yeah. kid is Neil deGrasse Tyson. A lot of times you tell a kid, like, oh, we're getting divorced. We both love you. It's not your fault. But I feel like Marriage Story makes a pretty convincing point that this kid's causing a lot of unnecessary tension. They could have just had fun creating together. Their whole yeah. lives, but then they had this dud kid and started to argue who should take care of Mr. Duddert. Also, notice that there is no second kid. They were like, they had that first kid and they were like, fuck, yeah. fuck. All right, so for sure no more. And then should we drop this kid off on a curb somewhere? And they don't, which I guess is commendable in yeah. a way. But I don't know. Is it going to make their lives any better? Is there any world in which Marriage Story beats Parasite? I don't think so. I think there like that... a, is there an area where you could say, well, it definitely did? Because like, I'm trying to like come up with areas where it did better. Like, it, the, it, Marriage Story's funny. Parasite's funnier. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's yeah. the difference. So, with MS versus Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it was, well... Shortened Marriage Story, <laughs> but said all of Hollywood. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Nice. Uh, that, that would, that like, Once Upon a Time, maybe Baby Ruth Tire, but was too sloppy, and Marriage Story did it. But Parasite... Points straight to the moon and fucking flawlessly crushes it all. Like so, it, it it does that part too. I think that there are some there's some sloppy things. Like I do think that Marriage Story is a tighter movie. I do think that Marriage Story jumps over all of the bars that it set up better and higher. But Parasite just can't. And maybe we're just in this weird phase where like it has intoxicated us, and in five years we'll be like that was stupid. But even when it does something a little bit sloppily, we're still like, fuck yeah, Parasite, you rule! <laughs> I also feel like it will always be a movie where people remember the first time they saw it and what it felt mm. like to see it for the first time. You well, know, like, I don't really remember, like, what it was like to see Marriage Story at first, but Parasite, I remember what it was like to go through every scene and be like, I don't feel like I understand exactly what the mood of this piece is, yeah, and you, I'm confused. You never know, uh, and that's... By nature of the director, like he's just like you think this is that kind of movie. Fuck you, it's this kind of movie. Uh, Marriage Story, you do kind of get what you get. The, the trailer still, if you're if you're a Hulu media member and you get 
commercials, it makes it look like a straight up horror movie, and like Mrs. Park slowly kills everybody. Uh And that's not the movie at all. Like, you have no matter what order of the scenes you get for a trailer, you have fucking no idea what's going to happen in this. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing, too, is that this is, I believe, hot off the run of Moonlight winning Best Picture, and people people were like, uh, artsy fartsy movie about black gay people. That's that's stupid. I hate it. And then you know, movie watchers were like, "No, it's it, it is one of the best movies of all time." And then there was the revenge of that, <laughs> which was Green Book, which was I've never seen a movie before. Is this what movies are? I fucking love it. This is great. And then movie watchers being like, "Well, uh, Roma came out. That sucks." And then now we have this perfect middle ground where all parties mm-hmm. are like, "No." Parasite rule. Except for this people who don't want to read come together their on. movies. Yeah. Well, turn the subtitles off. See what happens. Idiots. Why Like, why do you out yourself like that? Because like, you say think you everybody feel... will rally around you? Yeah, because uh, you feel like you're the center of the universe, and you feel like nothing should ever be difficult for you in particular. But, like, say you feel that way. You What you do is you hide it. Because yeah. you, you can't let everybody know, hey, I feel like the, this movie that they made in Korean should have been made in I cuz you're saying like this should this movie should be made in English. Well, it's not. There's nothing you can do about that. That ship has sailed. Watch the HBO show with Mark Ruffalo. I <laughs> will. Yeah, we I'll we all enjoy will. that too. They are they're so they're making it into I think a mini series, right, Ryan? Yeah, a, it's going to suck, isn't it? be 6 episodes. Isn't it going to suck? I mean, it's uh it's Adam McKay uh-huh. and He's Mark cool. Ruffalo, two people that I do like, yeah. but like you guys should get in a room and think of a new story. Yeah. It's, like, it, hopefully they change a lot. Hopefully the only thing is that capitalism is evil and everything else is brand new. Because if it's just like their version of Bong Joon-ho, what's the point? Yeah, that would be... He I made know, it. I, I would not, it. I would not want to remake something that just came out and was like so popular that Beloved. everybody talked about it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, you know what's been bullshit for a long time? Alexander Hamilton's story being yeah. told. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that and win some awards. Well, guys, it's time. We have to do it. We have to pick 2019's movie of the year, Ryan. I, I love drama. I love surprising you guys. I would love to pick Cats right now or The Last Boy Scout and just force that into being a winner. But we should uh, ignore all the drama and the tension and just appreciate Parasite being the best fucking movie of the year. Yeah. And an entire globe not a country a globe coming together and saying that we are correct mike do you agree i concur yeah and i totally agree like or that you know it, it we should just celebrate the fact that this is such an awesome movie and that it was we were lucky to have a movie that was heads and tails above every other movie um and but honestly like when i look back at 2019 i know that there have been many great years in cinema history but for me personally, the way I felt about so many of these movies, this was like one of the top years for just so many good movies. And it's a shame we only really get to talk in depth about eight of them, because honestly, there's about eight to maybe even 10 more movies that really are worth watching and investigating. I mean, to think Instead, of- we did Detective Pikachu, but yes, there are those yeah. other movies. We did do like 12 movies for this year. Just two yeah. of them were fucking idiots. And that's how many good movies there were. Like, I mean, we 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 talked about doing 2013, and it seemed like if you look at 2013, it's hard to come up with eight definite. Like, these are movies that'd be fun to watch that make fun shows. Um, 2019. I mean, honestly, like, I don't I, I don't know what would win 2013, but I bet it wouldn't make the top five movies of 13 up. and 19 combined. Yeah, yeah. 
But this is the way we chose to do the show, so that we could celebrate each year and celebrate just a couple movies. Real in-depth look. Congratulations, 2019, Parasite. I'm so glad we had a chance to really talk about you and to get to celebrate you. But that's it for the 2019 season. We are closing the curtain on that, and we have decided, canonically, the 2019 movie of the year is Parasite. And now it's time to cast our eyes forward and look what we're going to be doing next season. And Ryan, you have a very special announcement about that, I believe. I do, guys. I would just like to point out to all the people that are listening, we are going to go back to probably before you were born. Do you guys think that podcast listeners in general and our listeners specifically are older than us or way younger than us? Our exact Uh, ages only. Yeah, I'm going to say about our ages and us. Just I think our podcast listeners are us. All right, so we're going to go back to a time before any of the three of us were, like, critically watching movies. Yeah. We're going to go back to 1985. 1985. So, like, even though you and I, Ryan, are ancient, just very old men, still, like, we were, like, four and five. We were not watching cinema. I was writing for a, like, low-budget Philadelphia newspaper, <laughs> and I was not yet in the uh, the New York Times. <laughs> I was just like basically a chill four-year-old with a high level of sexual energy. I was so in my 19- dad's balls. <laughs> just cooking up in there. That feels like abuse. Cut to your dad's <laughs> balls in a jacuzzi, just cooking away. <laughs> Jocelyn. So that's what it's going to be. 1985 is going to be the next season of Movie of the Year. You heard it here first. Ryan, do we want to like give any idea of what kind of movies came out yes, of 1985? Yes, I just I, I think it might make it a little more exciting if we just what are some of like the sample eighty five movies? Well, uh, I'm trying to get there, Greg, uh, with the internet, but I think that there's an obvious one because of how much uh, it depends on the year that it took place, and then in the years that it did not take place, like maybe thirty years before, fifty years after. You guys know what I'm talking is about? It here? Back to the Future. It is Back to the Future to is the... in the bracket. Holy shit! Yes. Wow. Okay. Are either of you like? scared to watch i haven't seen back to the future in a while and like to watch it for this show is like i don't know it kind of scares me it's like a childhood classic i'm pretty sure it's going to become the parasite of that time uh but we also have everything from the goonies to the breakfast club to clue what a fun to to the color purple have you guys ever seen Legend? Mike, you and I watched Legend together. Legend, oh, yes, I love Legend. Legend, <laughs> Legend is so. See, they don't make movies as bonkers as they used to. Like Legend is the craziest movie. We have Rocky Four, where Rocky defeated communism. Nice. But we also have nice. Brazil, which could come in and take it down. And if there's if there's only one Rocky, but there's also a Rambo. We've got a Mad Max. We have multiple Michael J. Fox movies, guys. We have Pee Wee's motherfucking big adventure, which I'm putting my money on right now. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, that sounds like it's going to be a very excellent show of movie of the or excellent season of movie of the year. Do you agree, Ryan? I do. There is a Martin Scorsese movie. Which? So maybe he can. It's called After Hours. Maybe he can get his due from this show. (laughs) Finally get a little (laughs) fucking respect from the chuckleheads and their dumb podcast. Well, that is it for this episode of the show. Ryan, do you have a website people could go to? I would love if you guys went to yourpotfilter.com and just bookmarked that shit because that's the way that you can get everything that we do right when we do it, yourpotfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpotfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your Amazon bookmark and wait until there we like them again and then buy stuff from there. Also, patreon.com slash yourpotfilter. 
that is the best way to support us. Go ahead, go there, pick a tier, and pay for a tier, and that would we would really appreciate that. Is that true, Mike? Yes. <laughs> Mike, tell them about social media. I concur all of this. Uh, at your pop filter on Twitter, on Instagram, we put things there. It's fun. You'll like it. It's true. It is fun. You will like it. Thank you so much to Shady Monk for doing our music. If you like the tunes on this show, go to SoundCloud, go to Bandcamp, go to Internet Message Boards, and just Shady Monk. Check it out. Uh, our social media is at your pop filter. That's Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to email us, Grandpa, it's contacts at your pop filter. Our other shows are The OCD, where these two guys talk about every episode of The OC. But also yeah. we have Superhero Show Show, where Ryan, Cassie, and Mike, are you on that show? I am. I'll talk about the superhero shows. I mean, I'm there. I'm not checked <laughs> I in fully. I don't know if I'm on it or not. <laughs> I'm not really that into it. Uh, but that's it, it. If you were, I'm sorry, Greg. If you were looking for a year that had a Friday the Thirteenth movie, a James Bond movie, and an American Ninja movie, it's 1985. It has all three of those things. Okay, we're really gonna have to dig into the 85 ness of it all. I, mm-hmm. I'm glad that the show ultimately becomes about the year itself because if it sounds like we're only gonna have eight of these movies, so probably one of them is not gonna be from the American Ninja franchise. What is that? what the fuck? I'm not doing it then. I don't again, know what American Ninja is. I'm ruining the drama again. I can't believe it. I'm sorry. Thanks for listening to our show, everybody, and come back and join us in 1985. But until then, hey, keep watching them movies. <laughs> <laughs>